Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Average, the podcast about average people who have above average stories that I think are worth sharing, not only because I think that people should hear these stories, but in many cases, I've never heard these stories. So we just sit down, crack a couple of brews, and get to know each other a bit better. My name is Stephen Smith, and I'm your host. Today is my 15th episode, which is pretty exciting for me, and also my first episode using my brand new podcast mic, courtesy of the one and only Joseph Frawley. So thanks, bro. Joe was actually one of the people who really inspired me to do this podcast, and he's been super supportive of the whole process. He was a former D1 football player at UMass, and I'm still trying to lock him down on a time that we can sit down and do an interview. But uh, anyway, thanks for the mic, Joe. And if you're listening to this, next time you're in San Diego, let's get it done. But anyway, today's guest is a good friend of mine from high school who joined the Navy, and we actually lost touch until recently when we reconnected here in San Diego. Uh, she's a good friend, she's a new mom, and we're just going to talk about her life. So buckle up for another brand new one. Here is Amanda Simchek. You are listening to Average with Stephen Smith. And we are recording. Amanda. Amanda, formerly Stockert. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. The first one being you are a woman who was in the Navy. I'm s- and currently still a woman. And <laughs> currently still a woman. You, you were in the Navy. You yes. are a woman. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I think that's a great place to start. You and I went to high school together in Greeley, Colorado. And uh, and we've just kind of like reconnected. Ten years later, we were just talking about on the West Coast down in San Diego. Known each other what fourteen? Yeah, known each other for a while. Yeah. Um, So yeah, let's let's just let's just jump right into it. When you graduated from high school, what was next? I went off to college and did what every college kid did and partied a little hard and failed out mid first semester. And just wanted to leave, so I joined the Navy. <laughs> and uh, you joined the Navy, so you did one semester. No, I did partial. Not even a full semester. No, I was I was joining the Navy the day before Thanksgiving, of my freshman year of college. Started in August, so you made two months. Yep. Two months. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not for everybody. No. That's okay. Lots of people have gone on to see great success. Yes. Um, so tell me about it. What made you choose the Navy? I, in high school, I had taken the ASVAB, and the Army was, like, super down my throat about joining. What's the ASVAB? Uh, the equivalency test to join the military. So I had done really well. It's re- you. It's from 0 to 99, and I was a high 70 at the time. So the military was all about trying to get me in, and I was like, I'm going to college. Went to college, and not so much. <laughs> and so when I started looking into my options... The Navy seemed like the best one because they had a lot of technical fields. I liked math and science. So I went Navy and became a Navy nuke. A Navy nuke. Yep. Which is a nuclear... A nuclear power operator. You're a nuclear power operator in the Navy. Yep, and I was a mechanic, so I got to fix things. Okay. How many girls, women, were there in the Navy? Out of Women-to-men ratio, roughly. Uh, Like one to five but in the field that I was in there was in my graduating class um from school there was six out of 300 six so that's what one out of every 30 
One out of 50. Yeah, one out of 50. One out of every 50. And that was your team, essentially? Your unit? Is that what is that? Um, the way that it goes for nukes is we go to school for two years, which for the military is an extremely long period of time. And from there, you get sent to a ship. And you go to different ships because they need all different levels of people at these places that you end up at. And so I ended up going to the Reagan here in San Diego. Was that for school? That was once I graduated school. Where was, okay, so you're in Greeley, Colorado. Yep. Sign up for the Navy. Yep. There. Where did they, what's kind of a timeline? Did they send you I went next to, week? that was in November. Because of the job that I had received, I got on hold and I left April 17th of 2007 and went to boot camp until June. When I graduated from boot camp, went to Charleston, South Carolina. Where was boot camp? Uh, Chicago. Great Lakes. It's about an hour north of Chicago. And how long is boot camp? It was two months for the Navy. Okay. Tell me about that. Um, very weird. I'm a very closed person. Like, I'm not real free about being naked around people and then to have to be around these other... There's 80 girls that all live together and they... We, we have what you call a car wash shower where everybody strips down and they have rows of showers down the side and you walk through and you don't get a stop and by the time you're out of the shower that's it you're done go go put your clothes on you're good to go you scrub yourself yep you get to choose the speed that you walk at or you just no, go with the group you, you have to walk at the pace of whoever the leader is there's no stalls on the bathrooms um Learned how to fold underwear, learned how to fold t-shirts. Wait, I'm still thinking about this shower. <laughs> <laughs> Not for, like, perverted reasons. I'm just trying to understand. Is it? Oh, pe- no. Is Trust it me, with- there was nothing perverted about this shower. It was it disturbing. crazy. Is it people with hoses, or is it, like... It's just showers that... It's, like, at the at a gym that have, like, ten shower showers down in a row. How big is the wall- hallway? It... It's a, it's a shower. Okay. <laughs> and you just walk through. There's maybe ten... 10 on each side and you walk through and as you're walking you scrub and how far is the walk maybe 20 feet 20 feet so you're walking through it's about 30 seconds yeah 30 second scrub a dub dub cold shower i assume yeah with 100 people 80 people yep whoa and you can't leave gaps in front of you you're everybody's we, we used to call it nut to butt <laughs> on each other yeah and which it's... obviously for girls that was not to butt wasn't not anatomically accurate. Correct, but <laughs> but yeah, it was boob to back. Yep. Is it segregated men showers and women yeah. showers? For girls, when you go to boot camp, you have a they call it an integrated division. There's 80 guys, 80 girls, and there's actually two divisions that are it's half men, half women, and so you're actually showering with 40 people that aren't even in your division, but there's no men and women mixing. Sure. Okay. So that's two months of that. Yep. What other kind of, that's, that's crazy. What other kind of stuff happened at boot camp over this two months? Oh man. So there's, there's people that live in like areas of the country that we don't really think about. Middle America. We had people that didn't know they were supposed to brush their teeth. We had people who didn't know they were supposed to wipe after going to the bathroom. Um, you had women who didn't even understand like their periods and you're having to live with these people that you're just like, what the hell? And 
you had a community laundry, so you had somebody that was in charge of doing laundry of all these nasty, disgusting people that didn't know anything. It was... Wow, hygiene was an issue. Yes, it was... And it, it wasn't that it was like everybody was that way, but there was, you know, maybe five or ten of people that just didn't have any idea, and it was so confusing to them, and you're just like, how, how do you not know to brush your teeth, comb your hair, like... Yeah, it's probably, it's probably hard to know even how to feel about that because you want to feel bad that they just were never taught this. It's really probably not their fault. No. But it does affect, it affects you because yeah. their hygiene, being in such close quarters and sharing yeah. everything with you. Yeah. I don't even know. That's a, a, a mind fuck a little yeah. bit. And like eating was weird because you line up in a height line from tallest to shortest or you might be shortest to tallest depending on the day. And whoever the first person is to sit down, from the time they sit in their chair, you have 10 minutes to eat. And it doesn't matter how long it takes all 80 people to get through, you have 10 minutes from the time that first person sits down. Unfortunately, being 5'5", five, five, I'm right in the middle. So I was never at the front of the line, but I was never at the back of the line. So it was always kind of short-lived what you got to eat. That's probably good, though, being in the middle, because you never have zero minutes. Right. But you never get the full 10. You always got a couple minutes. Yeah. Do you think the reason they do that is to build this teamwork where it's like you eat as a team and you wait for your team to all be served? Is that even an option to wait I, until everybody's served before the first person sits down? I think down? that mostly it was just to teach order and to make it to where there was a system in place. Because that was the one thing that like I can take away from boot camp is all it was is learning a system doing everything as a system and that might have been leading towards teamwork you know that you just have to you know everybody comes together and just does something but it was it was a long time two straight months was just really really long time of having to follow this weird system of smelly people and lack of time of eat (laughs) So after the first month, does it start to become more, I guess, habitual? Does it become a little bit more normal? or is, It does. Does it take the full two months, and once you're used to it, then you're moving to something different? I don't even know that I ever got used to it. It was just, it was so, it was such a routine. You woke up at the exact same time, and it's called Reveille. It's when they turn the lights on, and they start the music. And everybody, everybody gets up, and your day from the second you wake up until you go to bed at night is just, you have something happening all day and you're just tired because it's you don't just get to sit and do nothing for a minute you constantly have something if you're falling asleep in the middle of some lecture about your uniform regulations like you're in trouble and you're doing push-ups and it's just it wasn't difficult to say like most boot camps are but it was just boring and a really long two months of frustrating yeah and when you know a better way to do things and this and that, but whatever you have to say doesn't matter. No way. You just sit there and shut up. Okay. So, so I picture from, like, I think mostly movies is you wake up, you have to make your bed specifically. Yep. Uh, is, it, is it actually as nitpicky as it has to be 18 inches tucked in from the top yes. and where the pillar? Can... We had, we had um, it's the Blue Jackets manual. It's the Navy's rules and regulations manual. And from the top of the sheet, from the top of the bed to the end of the book is where you had to have your sheet folded. The length that the sheet was folded was also the size of your training jacket. 
and everything had to be neatly tucked and I I found that the best way to do it because it took so much work to get it like that is if you got it exactly how it was supposed to be and then at night just sleep with a blanket over you so in the morning when you wake up all you have to do is just tuck the edges and make sure everything's flat and good to go you slept on top of the made bed yes <laughs> yes <laughs> you're a thinker and they don't like that no <laughs> no definitely not that's incredible okay so two months in chicago and then you go to school yes in did you say north carolina charleston south carolina charleston south carolina Okay. How long is, is, you said two years? I was in Charleston for, let's see, I did three months of my A school. And what's, then, a, what's A school? A Sorry, school, I'm totally layman's because I have no idea. A school is your job training. Um, most A schools in the military are between like three and nine months. So getting out of school for three months, I was a Navy mechanic, general mechanic type school. Um, for like trucks? Cars and trucks. It was ships, ships. obviously. Okay. I was Navy. in the Navy. Come on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, three months of that. And then, because you're a nuke, you end up going to two other schools. So, from there, I went to power school, which is teaching you all about um, reactor theory, physics, chemistry. Um, we took a lot of math. We learned about different types of mechanical theory, electrical theory, different aspects of that. And that's six months. And then after I graduated from power school, then I went to prototype, which is you're working on a decommissioned submarine that has a reactor in it, and you're learning how to do your specific job on this submarine for six months. And that was in Boston Spa, New York. Is the submarine out of the water? Yeah. Okay. The, one, the ones in New York are out of the water, and they have, um, f- they have systems lined up to make it seem like you're out to sea, but the ones down in Charleston are actually underwater there in the swamps of Charleston. They're probably just 10 feet deep or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't even think they're below the water level. I think the water just barely. Okay. I never had went to them, but. Two years is a long time. And a six-month program, I'm trying to, like, rationalize this against my experiences with school. One semester is, what, like four months maybe in, in traditional right. college or university. So did you do six months straight? Yes. So the way that school worked was Monday through Friday, we had class from seven until three o'clock in the afternoon. Straight school, we had five minutes breaks between a couple hours of class, and then we'd have like 30 minutes for lunch. And then after that, you had study hours where you were given homework and you actually had to come back to the school so much as so like you couldn't bring a cell phone, you didn't, you couldn't even use your watch. You would scan into the building study and then you'd have to scan out of the building and it was six straight months like even government holidays we didn't have those off weekends we had we did have weekends off but your study hours were sunday through thursday so on sunday you still had to come to school and study so it was did you have saturdays off yeah did you have other kind of assignments that you had to do or did you actually get like some free time at least the way that it worked is how much you had to study was based on your gpa So I think that's cool. um, I really struggled with all the mechanical stuff. So I was on uh, 30 TAC 2s is what they were called. Two hours Monday or Sunday through Thursday. And I had to do 30 hours outside of my regular schoolwork to do. And that was, and if you didn't do that, you were in trouble. So you have pretty much a 
on the border of part like part time to almost full time job on top of your full time job. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and so it was all based on your GPA, how many hours you had to do a night. And being in the nuclear, what what's it called again? Nuclear what? Uh, it was nuclear mechanic. Yeah. Being a nuclear mechanic, you, what you're trying to be taught is not basic stuff. No. It's high level, complicated things. Yes. You're learning how to work on these nuclear reactors yeah. on ships. So yeah. it's probably and so hard. And, I mean, you had no college training, really. Yeah. And did you at some point be like, I feel like I should have just stuck it out? <laughs> there were points, but it was, for me, I think more, I wanted to get away from my parents. And I was young. I didn't know any better. And it, when I wasn't doing well in school, like, when I was there, it was all of my friends were struggling in school. You know, we we ended up having, like, this super close-knit friendship because we all were doing it together. And the bonds that I made while in school and even after I got out of school with my Navy friends because of the shit we've gone through, it's made us that much closer. So I, did, I don't know that I necessarily missed out on the college. Yeah, no, I, I didn't mean that you missed out on anything socially. I just mean... Yeah. That sounds like just hard and a grind. Yeah, they they estimate that we do a four-year college program in for mechanics. I did 15 months. Four years of schooling in 15 months. It's very impressive. Yeah. That's good. I mean, okay, awesome. So, so you did three months and then six months. So we're up to nine, and then where did you finish after that? And what, what's the next school? Is it getting harder, or is it just getting different? It's Each one of them's different. Initially, the first school is you're just learning about what it is to be a mechanic. You're learning about different tools that you use, wrenches versus hammers, which is so basic, but it was something that you had to learn. Then the next school was all about the theory of nuclear plants. And then the final step, um, which was in Boston Spa, New York, which is like two hours north of New York City, um, it was on-the-job training. We actually got to work on the equipment that we've been learning about that, that was like this mystery to us, and it was a neat thing once we got there. And actually, I, I didn't do so well in the actual schooling, but as soon as we got, as soon as I got to put my hands on it, it was like, just like that. The practical. It yep. all came together. It basically cleared the fog, and oh, this, it was so abstract before. Yep. And it all was just like, oh, this is what we're talking about yeah. for the last nine months. Because in school, all of my teachers were always like, well, this works like a transmission. Well, this works like a radiator in a car. And I'm like, I don't know anything about cars. <laughs> what would your dad say? <laughs> He'd be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he probably would. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. Okay, so you are finishing up in New York. Yep. Done with the practical. It's finally making sense. Yep. Let's keep going. So then after get out of school, then you get orders to a ship. And for um, nuclear operators, we can either go to a submarine or an aircraft carrier. Since I'm a girl, I got to go to an aircraft carrier. Did you get to choose? Um, not really. They There's all these different requirements that are needed based on your GPA, based on they'll they give you what's called a, a dream sheet and you put put your top 3 in a row and like which ships you want to go to and it for your first time that you're up they just randomly pick and put wherever people need to go is an aircraft carrier far superior to a submarine 
in terms of living conditions. Yes. Uh, if you if you talk to sub guys, like they're they're so much above carrier people. Really? Yes. Because they're they're, t- they're tougher. Yeah. Like they they went through the the grind and yeah. the garbage, so yeah. they came out a better person. Yeah, my brother in law's a sub guy, and yeah, they definitely have, and they have they have a lot more camaraderie. How long do they live on those submarines for? Can they... Okay, so I'm six foot two. Do you think I could stand yes. up in a submarine? I yeah. could. They're, it's a lot bigger than you'd think. A lot bigger. Okay. I mean, you would still, like, they still have the same size, like, sleeping quarters and stuff. And I think they're six foot, exactly. So it's... Obviously, for somebody like me, it was nice. It wasn't that bad. But we had guys that were over six foot tall, and for them, it was, like, obnoxious. Yeah. I can understand that. But yeah, I, I went to the Reagan here in San Diego, and... What year was that? Was that 2008? 2009? 2008. 2008? Yeah, December of 08 was okay. when I got there. And going from seeing this, like, partial submarine that we've been, you know, pretending to play with and this and that, and going to a real ship and seeing the size difference, because it's insane. And I... I can't, I can't put into words how big it is. And until you've actually like been on an aircraft carrier or been next to one, you would never understand the size. And that was the number one thing. the The day that I showed up, I was going to be living on the ship, and this girl takes us and we walk. It it was like a good ten minute walk from where we checked in at. She takes us and she shows me where I'm going to be sleeping for the next however long. And she's like, okay, bye. And she left. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how to get back to the training facility that we were initially checked in at. And I ended up having to call. Luckily, they gave me a phone number. And I was able to call them and they could come get me because I was so lost. <laughs> Is it because you, you didn't see anybody? You didn't ask anybody for directions? People just don't know because an aircraft carrier is so big. It's just, and everybody works so much that... Unless they work in your department, they probably have no idea where it's at. Like, I couldn't tell you anything. Except for the nuke part. Yep. Okay. And I could tell you where the... Now I could tell you, like, where you could go eat and, you know, some important places that everybody needs to know. But for the most part, there's so much there. And everything looks the same. It's all haze gray and (sighs) there's doorways everywhere and fire hoses everywhere. You're in the labyrinth. Yep. So how long did you live on the ship for? How long were you in port, and then how long did you take off for? When I showed up to the ship, they had just gotten back from a six-month deployment. So they were actually all on what's called a stand-down. They pretty much go down to a skeleton crew, and people get to go home, see their families, and operate with as few people as possible. And so I showed up in the middle of that, and... After that, that they all came back right like the middle of January, and from there we were doing workups to a deployment, which we left in May. And the workups is you go out for a week and you test like the flight deck, then you come back and then you're gonna test some other portion of the ship, and you you might be out for a week, you might be out for three weeks, and it just depends on how to cert- like certifying the crew. And then we left for a five month deployment in May. Where did you go? That year we went to, let's see, Hawaii, Singapore, Thailand, and Dubai. Did you get to see the places? Yeah. 
and you know being a, a fresh little newbie on the boat like everybody else had gone there before but for me it was just it was insane yeah. first place we went was Singapore and getting off the ship we were warned we have these little briefs that they tell you where not to go what not to do this and that so we were told not to go to the the four floors of whores <laughs> it's a it's a mall that when it gets dark turns into a whorehouse Singapore yes and so we the four floors of whores <laughs> yeah so we were told not to go there and um I think people go there if you if you get caught going to places that they are a red light district um you can get yourself in a lot of trouble I just feel like if someone tells me where I can't go yeah the first place that I'm interested in going yeah really okay so what's going on I mean it's pretty obvious what's going yeah. on there but it was it was kind of funny because they that's what everybody told us like you weren't allowed to go there so a girlfriend of mine we decided that we were going to go watch a movie well we didn't realize that the movie theater we were going to see it was in the mall of the four floors of whores well we went to the movie at like three in the afternoon by the time we got out it had turned into this like super skanky <laughs> nasty whorehouse and it was like her and I just like ran out the door like ah no it was just you two girls yep did you guys get a lot of attention being two white faced girls in this Singaporean whorehouse no actually Singapore it wasn't because it's a British owned um, country they actually weren't they didn't really care that there was white people yeah I mean they're, the, they're... the rest of Asia though as soon as they would see like women were always like can I touch you they're like, so white, so white. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't a good thing back home. <laughs> would you would you wear uniforms? No. Okay. We we had um like a dress code that we had to follow in different countries. Some countries you had to wear a polo and pants below the knees. Um, some countries for women we weren't allowed to wear anything but um, full pants and something that fully covered every inch of us. Yeah, knees knees and shoulders are Yeah. Almost like and, naughty zones in Asian countries. Some Asian Muslim countries for sure. Yeah. And a lot of the places that we went, um, the the ship had its own dress code that we were supposed to follow. Like, we had to wear closed-toed shoes, and you couldn't wear anything above the knee. You couldn't wear anything low-cut. So as long as you were following the rules of the ship, you really didn't have too many issues out in town. Cool. All right, well, let's keep going. So there's what you said. How many people on the ship with you? About 5,000. When you're deployed. 5,000 people. When you're deployed. On this one aircraft carrier. Yeah. Whoa. So that, I mean, that's perspective of how big it is. I'm trying to think what holds 5,000 people. What's the biggest hotel hold in Vegas? I have no, I mean, I have, yeah, no, I, I have no idea. Yeah. But I'm just trying to get perspective of how huge this is. It's a lot of people. Okay. The length of the flight deck, I think they say, is like three football fields long. Okay. That's a good perspective. And is that is there more shit beyond that, too? Does it go wider than that, or is that it the does. widest part? Um, I think that's just the actual length itself, but there's different parts of it. It, like, veers off in one direction, so you can launch planes off one side or straight forward. Cool. Okay, so let's just keep going. So you did this deployment. Did you do multiple deployments on the ship? I did the deployment in 2009, and then the following year when we came back, we were in a maintenance period for seven months. So we didn't go anywhere. And then we went on a, um, 
it was called RIMPAC, where we actually went out into the middle of the ocean and played played war games with other countries. Ally, uh, ally countries, though. Yeah. Friendly countries. Um, we That year, we went to Canada, and then we spent eight straight days in Hawaii, and we just showed off the ship. And actually, if you see any commercials on TV now, Navy commercials, you'll see the big 7-6, and they were actually filmed that summer in 2010. So you're, you might be seen somewhere in that Navy commercial. No, because I don't... Because... <laughs> The nukes, we all work at the very bottom of the ship, so you don't actually see us anywhere. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your actual role on the ship. So you're running, is, is it all powered by nuclear power? Is yes. that what it is? Yeah, the nuclear power, we, you know, the catapults are steam-driven, which the reactor is the one who create is where the steam's created at. The catapult, is it like a catapult is actually like a catapult mm-hmm. where you fling things? Yep, and that's where the planes get they're oh okay yeah you you fling the planes yeah okay cool like i'm just picturing top gun yeah (laughs) um so yeah we were you know we were in charge of powering the ship itself like getting it through the water our department was in charge of steering um actually getting the ship to go faster slower steering that was we were the ones that were behind all that is it really stressful or is it mostly routine it is by far the most stressful thing that i've ever done all of my friends like it you're because of all the restrictions on being nuclear powered you have to meet all these special conditions you have you know naval reactors you know a huge government agency that's watching every minute that you're operating the maintenance this and that if the ship if anything breaks in your department like has to be fixed right away because you're the reason that you can get from point a to b and an aircraft carrier is not meant to sit in port. It's meant to go work. So you have a lot of stress put on your back from outside entities. So you're stressed from the day that you take off until the day that you get back into port pretty much. Even once you get back in port, everybody else can, you know, it's like a light switch. Everybody else can shut their equipment off and they they leave. For the reactor department, you actually are stuck on the ship for... 12 to 14 hours shutting down your equipment. It's not as easy as turning something off. And even once it is shut down, you have to have people maintaining everything constantly. And so for reactor, you don't, when you are in port, you're still working all the time. And because you were working so hard, the ship was working so hard when you come home, there's so much work to do. Cleaning up, fixing things, you know, preparing for the next time you leave and is your department a big department, or do you guys make up a very small percentage of the total staff on the ship? It's actually a pretty small department. There's about 300 people total, which when you consider 5,000 as a fully um, functioning aircraft carrier, 300 is nothing. What other departments have that similar number? Like, what else would be a 300-person department? Are there other 300-person departments, or are most of them, you know, 1,000? There, there is, like, the, the crew that is in charge of, like, the food and stuff. There's about 300. So there's about 300 people that are expected to feed 5,000. And we're the ones that are having to make sure that they are able to keep moving and that they have, you know, we provide all the electricity as well. So not only are we supposed to make sure that all the planes can launch and that you have light to turn on, that they're the ones, reactor distills all the water for everybody. It's, you know, truly the... The heart. 
Mm -hmm. It's everything, it seems like. Yep. Are there more and less respected levels on the ship? Are you are you guys seen in a positive light or a negative light? Um, do you say that the food staff people aren't as important and the guy the pilots are the most important? The, How the do you pilots are definitely the most important because Or they're up on a pedestal at least. Yeah. Well and the only reason that we need these aircraft carriers is for pilots. But actually the reactor people are not respected because we have to run drills constantly and there's things happening, actual casualties, and you're waking people up in the middle of the night, you're doing this and that, and since you're working so many hours, you know, you're you're constantly, like, when you get 10 minutes to go eat, like, hopefully you're able to get to the front of the line and actually get food, where everybody else, if it takes them an hour to stand in line to get lunch, that's okay, because their department can handle... Because your lunch is only 30 minutes. Not when you're on the ship. On the ship, it, it really depends on um, what's going on. I know that, like, for us, we stand... Do you want another one? Yes, please. We typically stand... Um, it's called 5 and 15s. So you stand 5 hours a watch, and then you have 15 hours off. Well, in your 15 hours off, you have to sleep, shower, eat, do maintenance, go to training do in five hours 15 hours 15 hours but which sounds like a great situation but there's so much going on all the time that your 15 hours typically dwindles down to you might get a shower in that time you might get to eat and there are a lot of times that you'd stop and say how hungry am i <laughs> and you would have you'd sit there and like decide if you wanted to eat or sleep or sleep or shower and you, you would pick one of the three. And so, you know, we have lounges in our um, sleeping quarters and stuff. And you'd pass out on the couch in the lounge just so you got an extra 15 or 20 minutes. That sounds stressful. Yes. Did you like it? No. <laughs> Hated it. It was awful. It it just, I was always tired. Um, I, I was always hungry. I was always bitchy. Everybody else was hungry and bitchy, and it was just, as much as I can say that I created amazing friendships because of what we went through, I really would have preferred to meet these people in better better situations. How long did you do this for? That would be an entire deployment, that you'd have this schedule. And you did two? I did two. I did a total of eight months deployed. But you also do the workups that end up being, you know, between January and May, we were gone, like, three-fourths of that time. But it's not a deployment, per se. So it was... That's amazing. I mean, it's... I, I, I can totally empathize with you. I'm just, like, trying to recreate. And there's nothing in my history or my experience to even put into perspective the, yeah. what you were dealing with. Because I've never had such a rigid schedule. And... You're by law forced to follow the schedule because it's a government organization. It's yep. It's crazy. So you know, like after I got out of the Navy, having a, a regular job and them telling you, you know, every four hours you need a fifteen minute break, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what are you saying to me? I, I get to just go sit down and like play on my cell phone. You're like, like, can I sleep for that fifteen minutes? <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, and now you know, I have a little baby. Her being a newborn was a cakewalk. It was just like, oh, okay. So I wake up every two to three hours and feed her. 
and then I can go back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) And you met Ryan on a ship? Is that right, your husband? Yep. I met him on the Reagan. Okay. Early on. Yeah. Your first first deployment? Uh, I actually, when I, the first day that I walked onto the ship, Uh he was the one who, um, showed me around, like, the reactor spaces and stuff. He's a, he's a nuke also? Yep. So you guys, did you guys kind of have a thing right off the bat? No, it, it was a few years down that, um, we just, all of a sudden it was like, we started realizing, like, we have a lot in common. We, we both do the same job. We understand each other's lives, like, and it just fell into place. Were you friends first? Yeah, we were friends for three years before we started dating. And then it got romantic. Yeah. <laughs> That's all awesome. Sappy. I like Ryan. Ryan's a really cool guy. Yeah. Awesome. So now you live in San Diego. You're out, you're out of the Navy. Yep. Ryan is still in the Navy. Yep. And you got a newborn baby, Zoe. Yes. Who is nine months? Almost nine months. Almost nine months. Okay. So sad how quickly a year can go. <laughs> yeah. And childbirth no problem I've done worse oh I don't know because everybody has different experiences mine was so simple and I was I was so excited to meet her that it was just it was a cakewalk that's so cool and I think that is what the military really does if you're going to look at the most positive thing is everyone that's done it everything else just doesn't even hold a match to what you've been through and it just it breeds this I don't want to say superior person but just your limits have been raised so high that you can literally handle anything yeah so that's great i mean in retrospect would you would you do it again yes really i I didn't i didn't expect that answer i would do it again because because of what i had gone through i met my husband all of my bestest friends in the world are from the navy you know and if i didn't if i wasn't in the navy i wouldn't have my little girl and so all of it ends up being that I would still do it all over again. I would hope some of my circumstances would change throughout it all, but I wish that I would still do it. The juice is worth the squeeze. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. What else? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. Awesome. Well, that's good. We're getting close to about time anywhere, about 38 minutes. Yeah. So, um... Thank you for, for being a guest. I haven't heard a lot of these stories, and we've been friends for a long time. I know. So that's one of my favorite things is, like, we just sit back, have a couple of beers or wine or whatever people want, and I get to hear these perspectives from people that I would never hear, and I, I just really enjoy doing these things. And, yeah. Um, no, I was excited that you, you had wanted to do something like this. Cool, for sure. Awesome. All right, well, thanks, for everybody, for listening. And, Amanda, thank you once again. No, thank you. Signing off. <laughs>